This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, Episode 8. What does it take to truly make it? In the sporting world, it's a mix of talent, desire, access to coaching, and if you're a hockey player, unlimited ice time. Imagine having all of those ingredients put together so that you've got an agent by the time you're 12 years old and are under the microscope of hockey in Canada. We're going to be talking to Rob Schremp, and we love this guy. He's so great to be with. He's so fun to be around and talk to, and so, so talented with a background of hard work and tons of reps. He's a wizard with the puck and the stick. It's worth Googling this guy to see what he looks like on the ice. You'll love Rob's story from the grassroots to the pros. Here we go. Let me take you back to the summer of 2008. I hadn't qualified for the Olympics again, but it was my first summer not playing for the national team. I had it off and I got to train the entire summer with Kari on a specifically made program that was tailored to me, my injuries, my body, and my goals for that next upcoming season. And I was 34 years old. Well, the result went back over to Turkey and won a European cup in incredible physical condition. Thank you to that program setting me up for the perfect season. Well, now you have access to the exact same thing. Hit email ks at empowerconditioning.com. That's KS for Kari Schneider and get started on one of Kari's incredible online training programs. The program is tailored to you. It has a video of each exercise you're doing so you know what you're doing. Your reps are laid out, the sets are laid out. You can't go wrong. Reach out now to reach your best. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. I'm Paul Durden, co-hosting alongside Kari Schneider, and we are excited, fired up for today's episode because we have Rob Shrimp joining us. Rob, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're, uh, we're so excited to have you, Rob. It's been a while since we've been able to chat with you, and uh, the cool thing about this is that we can just kind of catch up and have a conversation, and the way we want to get into it is... Tell a little bit about your story, about how you grew up a little bit, how you got interested in hockey. Um, for people listening who may not know, you know, you are a hockey player of immense talent. And um, yeah, so what, what started you off? Um, growing up, my uncle was coaching uh, my cousin, my two cousins, Chris and Jeff plays. So me and my brother were... Um, a bit younger than both of them. So we watched them kind of in high school and that was kind of where that intrigue came in. Cause my dad was more of a basketball player. And um, yes, yeah, so that's how we got into it. My brother and I, and then played through Fulton youth hockey all the way up till I was like 10. And then just kind of played like, I don't know, I guess you can call it travel, but it wasn't like triple A hockey, like anywhere around Fulton, you are kind of like Camillus and these little small towns. And um, then when I was like 11, I grew like a monster. <laughs> I was like five nine, 160 pounds, like 11 years old, and I scored like a million goals in Pee Wee. So, 
You must have been bigger than all the other kids yeah. at that age, hey? Yeah, and then the other, the other unique thing that I had <clears throat> was being in Fulton, New York, is I got to use the rink at my expense, kind of. John Kern was the owner of the rink, and uh, the rink was like four blocks, five blocks from my house. I used to spend 10 hours a day there, and, and he said, anytime there's open ice, you're more than willing to use it. So he was very wow. generous and very uh, inspirational and, and pivotal to whatever happened with my career. And his son, you- Johnny Kernan Jr., taught me how to shoot, so I grew up there. That's that's a big thing to say right there. If anybody's seen you shoot and handle a puck, that that's a big deal. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. what uh, what like how can you emphasize the importance of having access to the rink? Because I think of players now and just know that they just we don't have that. It's it's having a rink is a is a premium, and it's hard to get ice time, and you're competing with all kinds of other. Um, levels of sport and so to have that ice time whenever you wanted what do you think that did for you I, it was huge it was a big thing for me um i spent i mean i used every minute of it too i used to go on the ice and take the nets off of the zamboni i'd be shooting puck while i was doing that like then i literally used every minute of it so um it was i mean that's what i wanted to do i was not being forced my parents had to take my skates away from me because i would, I would go to the rink for literally eight ten hours a day and my feet would be swollen because i didn't have right size skates but i didn't care uh, <laughs> that was like my passion so it was i don't know if it yeah i guess the rink was my what i used and it could have been any other sport i just got obsessed with hockey were, were you doing other sports though as a kid yeah I played um, with them. like because it sounds it sounds like you started a little late with hockey yeah i played every sport you know and just got to a point it sounds really hard to say but like i i was i kind of was advanced at all the sport like i played lacrosse and i had like four or five goals a game and then i get kind of guys would be mad because I, I, I wouldn't pass as much. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, this, you know, that's not much fun. Then play baseball and like I'd hit a home run whenever I got a pitch. And then if I played, made a play in the field, like I, I just was advanced. Like I throw it too hard and that, that wasn't fun. It wasn't challenging. So then I started playing hockey in the summer and we go up to like Canada and that was challenging. You play against all the best players. That was fun because, you know, there's other guys that were doing what I was doing in hockey. Like David Bowen was in Toronto and Evan McGrath and all these guys that are my age. It was, Going up against those guys, that was competitive, so it was fun. Like the other, it was like, other sports ran it, out for me. It was that first time you could actually feel challenged versus being the best because it's, it's that thing that we say to the kids sometimes, you're better off being the worst of the best than being the best of the worst because you're never going to grow. If you're the best of the worst, it's really hard to get better or feel challenged or feel pushed. And, uh, and that's where you finally got that push. Absolutely. I mean, you can get so comfortable. I mean... Playing where I was playing, I was scoring like five goals a game. So I needed. You know, it gets boring. I mean, also <laughs> it gets like it just kind of some people get frustrated. You know, parents got frustrated. It was kind of uncomfortable sometimes too. Like people, yeah, be so because mad they want and, like, their they want their kid to get more ice time. Yeah, it just and, got you know, awkward. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you're just, I'm just out there having fun. And these people like yelling from the stands. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you mean? Hockey, hockey parents don't yell. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's never going to go away either. I mean, there's no, uh, yeah, it's, there's no cure It's fun for to it. yell at preteens. Why, why not yell at preteens as adults, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, wake yeah. up. Yeah, I, feel, I hated it. It didn't make me feel comfortable, but I kind of just kind of used it for, oh, sorry. I, That's okay. Greedy, I'm on the podcast. Hey, a great segue. You've, I think you've got some big news there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's my baby girl, Stella. Seven months old. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's such a great age, too, because oh, yeah. they just start to interact so much and start moving around so much. Yeah, she's got a personality. She smiles a ton and she's like, 
just about to crawl. So it's like every day is kind of an adventure waiting for that. Oh my god! Fantastic. Yeah, it's been the best ever, so I love it. You're gonna have your phone out constantly I know, I know. to yeah, yeah, like I gotta film this. I gotta film <laughs> you this. You get more megabytes. It's crazy. That's right. So what happened from there? You ended up like, what was your transition into the OHL? So it was also like very benefit. Like the guy Don Kernan was. I mean, he was huge my whole life. But then in junior, when I was 12 years old, I was playing. Uh, I played Bantams, and then um, I played Bantams, and I played my own age and went to like Trinity Quebec. I went there twice. That was pretty cool. That tournament was unreal. <laughs> it was just so uh, big and all the like trading pins and trading hockey cards. It was really cool. Um, Is that where your eyes kind of opened up to go, hey, like I want more of this? Yeah, and it, yeah, it was really, it was really cool. It was like we were playing in front of 10, 12,000 people. It was neat at 12 years old. Yeah. And that building, the Coliseum or Colise, is, uh, I mean, it's like the fans are right over the top of you. It's a unique building. It's almost like the, um, the Joe Lewis arena. I mean, that's, that's how that was. It was really steep. And like, it felt like the fans were right on top of you. And at 12 years old, that was the biggest stage by far that I'd been on. <laughs> and that lit you up. Hey, like some people oh, would be yeah. afraid of that, no, but I, yeah, that was cool. And there was like the, my second year, there was a lot of notoriety and stuff. They're writing a lot of articles and made it kind of a big deal about coming there. So there was a bit of like light coming into it. They wrote a really bizarre article. <laughs> Looking back at it now, it's, it's fun. But... How, how so? Like they, was there a lot of a lot of pressure or a lot of like what was the yeah article? they wrote an article comparing me to Gretzky and Lemieux when I was like twelve when they were the same age yeah yeah <laughs> and that stuff comfy man yeah and what what do you think that did at the time or maybe later that kind of um, media attention or that kind of pressure I didn't like it I really when I was younger because it made a lot of people look towards me and like then really. I don't know. It's not always with that age, you guys chirping and all this and that, you know, kind of jealousy goes along. It's, I didn't want it. I didn't ask to do that, you know? So it's kind of weird. It's always, I always yeah. had that kind of feeling about hockey like that. Just kind of painted with a certain brush and then it's just how it goes. I mean, that's started really at like 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, how old were you when you got your, you had an agent pretty young too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was going off to dinner when I was 12 with like, I mean, pretty big name agents. They were, yeah very big agents and if you look back now like hindsight's 2020 do you do you wish things were different than they were or i don't know like, everything shapes you the way it goes i don't know there's no threat or anything like that it's just at the time that's the way it goes i mean it was pretty cool in the sense that i was in a small kid in Fulton, new york like that that's a small town. yeah and it's not really much drive in the sense of athletics just kind of like more towards high school and then maybe try to get to college like i went to another level like I was getting level like world recognition when I was like 12. That was, I mean, that yeah. really achieved something, but you're not, I mean, I'm only 12 and whatever, I guess it's not that big a deal, but I don't know. I got pretty freaking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how, how was that? Uh, how was that transition to the London Knights? Yeah. Well then, well then I played juniors in Syracuse for Don Kern again. So then I got to stay with him. I got some more ice time. And then I got drafted first overall to Mississauga. And then um, I went to Mississauga, played a year there. And then the management changed going into my draft year. And it was very bizarre things happening there, and it was uncomfortable. So I, I asked for a trade to get out of there, and uh, went to London. And then the rest was history. We got to play for Dale, and we won a championship there. It was, mm -hmm. it was good. Yeah, I really. I mean, the city was crazy. It was like playing the NHL. It was my experience in London was almost. It was a little bit better than my NHL one because the fans were coming every night in London. I played in, really my only time was in Long Island and Atlanta. It wasn't really the buildings weren't packed like that kind of energy London had. 
But there was the new the new arena in, Lo- in London at that time as well. Yeah, and that's when the yeah the the JLC was hopping like every single night. It was it was crazy. It was Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter like they're some of the smartest people in hockey. The way they built they, it. they did it they did it right. Oh hey? my god! They, they do they built it. I mean, they really did through draft yeah. picks and trades. That's not easy to do. And the right pieces together, and it was it was a phenomenal picture what they painted. Before I'm gonna back up just a tiny bit before um, before the Memorial Cup, but when you first had to move away. You know, there's a lot of any any young athlete with a ton of talent, whether they're going to a national team or they're going to training camps or they end up moving away and getting billeted, um, depending on what sport it is. You know, you had to leave home and move away from your parents. How old were you? And like, what was that like for you or your parents? Like, did that was that pretty traumatic for you? Was it pretty smooth? Like, what was it? What were you feeling at that time? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was always like driven for hockey. Like, I I. Was- I almost went and played on David Bowen's team when I was 12 years, uh, 11 years old. They, we played against each other in a weekend little thing, and then the coaches offered to have me come billet with them to stay and play in Toronto. Uh, Rob, Rob Van Allings was his name. And I, I wanted to go at the time. My parents were like, you were out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they, weren't quite bought, they weren't quite bought in yet. No, and I, I don't know. I've always been driven. You know, like, then nothing bothered me. I don't care if I, it takes some. Yeah, being homesick sucked, but. I had like every day I would just think about hockey and like driven to hockey. So I didn't really think hockey was always kind of like what my mind was on. So that's what was important to me at the time. And it was not really that hard for me to be awake. My parents came up a lot. And that's, that was the first thing that was uh, the first, when I got drafted there, the organization made sure my parents could come to any games if possible. So fine. Like just certain things to help them get there and, and stay the night. And then those things kind of got revoked the next year. So that was like really hard because then my parents wouldn't be able to come up as much. So that was yeah. made it comforting because my parents were very, yeah, they came up, my sis, brothers and sisters came up when they could, and they were very supportive, and, and that made it not that hard to be away. I mean, it's only, three, yeah. you know, some of the trips are only three hours from my home. At like, Fulton, New York is like an hour and a half to Kingston, and then, you know, Ottawa's right there, and then Toronto's three and a half hours. So they got to yeah. come to a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Because yeah. then, you you know, you get the, you, you're busy throughout the week, you got practice, yeah. it's game game time you get to see them briefly but you get that after game kind of dinner yep. and that kind of thing that gives you comfort yeah. and then you're not away you're not away i mean when i when i was living at home i wasn't home one day i wasn't home at all i was at the right yeah. so it was no different on the road. Yeah. yeah i didn't barely spend any yeah. time at home i played Ter- syracuse just- junior when i was 14 and uh in syracuse so we played we had a team out of syracuse and we played out of the ontario provincial league so we were in uh ontario every weekend we'd leave friday I missed more Fridays in school than I think I might have broken back. <laughs> I really did. But, you know, I was, like I said, I, was, I know it's probably not the best advice, but I was driven, and that's what I wanted to do. And I was, I mean, I led the league that year for goals, so it was, I was doing well. It's not like I was gambling on nothing. Yeah. Was, was there any pressure from your parents no. on the school side um, they, of no, things? They, to, to keep up your studies? And my, my dad, he was an associate dean of engineering at Western, and... Wow. A very smart man, yeah. and I know. Well, you know, I never really had the real, true talk about how he felt about it when I went to the national team at eighteen and and left and stopped school. Yeah. But uh, with your parents seeing you so often, were they checking in on your schooling? Was it, or were they just going you know, to kind of let you run as far as you could with it? Yeah. What no, were they I mean, like with school? They were, we were trying to stay with the school. I mean, they made me do my homework and get to the classes when I was. Yeah, I just missed a lot of Fridays, and like, we just kind of have to talk to the teachers and how like listen i mean this is really important i don't know like can you help me out <laughs> well especially once you yeah. once you come to london there you know there's a lot of support that way once you're 
into the program with the Knights. Yeah. So that was part of that. And it was, we were playing a lot of hockey and a lot of things were going on. Like I said, we're meeting with, you know, head agent stuff and had all these people coming around and a lot of you know, talking, going to the OHL, yada, yada, yada. So there was a lot of like busyness going on at those years. Like, I don't know. So was the, was it the Memorial Cup that was the highlight of your time with the Knights or what, what was kind of the, the most memorable part of it all? Yeah, I think yeah, the Mem Cup was the, you know, that was the pinnacle, but I mean, so many great things, billets and stuff. We had Tim and Trish Harrison and I had my billets and Jay and Chris Ray's. And I also stayed with uh, the Barbers, Gail and Greg Barber. That's just, these people that I met in London were like phenomenal. I just had so many good friendships there and like, it was such a cool, I don't know, it felt really good to be there. Like, all the players felt like it was a home to them, you know? Yeah. So it yeah. was the way the city embraced every, all the guys. You know, did a lot of autograph stuff, which was cool because you get to interact and, you know, I don't know, make friendships out of that kind of stuff. So it was neat. I really enjoyed that time. And it was, you're young and you feel, you know, 10,000 people at every game. There's just such a good buzz. It was cool. Everything about it was cool. And you, and you know what's really important that I'm interested to hear, we're, we're going to, obviously follow your career a bit uh but spoiler alert you do go to play in europe and I, that's where i spent my year playing professionally and a huge thing for me was the pro- professionalism of the club and how they took care of me away from the court it had a huge influence on my stress level how i'm able to perform and it sounds like the knights obviously have that component of it figured out it sounds like you're in fantastic hands great billets you're supported in every way possible so they, it's a it's a winning environment because they seem to understand that the off ice things need to be in place to get the on ice result. Um, but I know as this conversation progresses today, I want to hear about your experiences with clubs in that regard off the ice in Europe later on. But uh, from a London perspective, it sounds like it's a, a big check mark. Yeah, they're they're great about it, and they want everybody to. It's all about performing, and it's. I think they you know and I think I know they all they want to do is win, so that's important, and they put a. They want a good product. They're also, you know, on top of being smart with the hockey side, they're also, it's a business as well. It's entertaining to watch the London Knights on a Friday night. It's, they usually have electric players and there's, you know, they're usually in the game. They always have a winning percentage. It's, it's crazy. Um, take, us, take us forward. So you, uh, what was it like for the Memorial Cup for you? Like, it, was that, were you just on top of the world? Yeah, it was a great time. And it was, the city was buzzing and we really had a great it was right from the beginning of that year. Because the year before, we lost in the semifinals to Guelph. And it was, like, devastating. Because we, we really, we should have, we thought in our hearts we should have beat them. And it would have been kind of a, it was like whoever won that series was going to the Mem Cup. We thought we were, either team was better than the Eastern side. So, we were kind of and redemption. we came in the next year and we just went guns plays. Like, 31 games undefeated. Like, just. That's insane. teams, too. Like, beating teams bad, you know? Like, everybody was scoring, yeah. like. You know, Corey Perry was lighting it up. Did bowl and lighting it up. Um, who else was going? We had a tough. Danny Fritchie. I had, yeah, I had forty-one goals. I had it on the power play. Presty was everybody scored and like had big numbers. It was fun, you know. It was such a cool yeah. atmosphere. It was every it didn't matter. We had two power plays that were both like forty percent either side. <laughs> it's like scary. It's crazy. Yeah, that's unheard yeah. of, you know. And whatever. It was. It was really unique. And then the way, like I said, with all the other stuff, you add the off ice stuff to that, like. I don't know. There's not. Uh, that's a pretty good recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened after that? Uh, I got drafted by actually. I got drafted by Edmonton um, before the Mem Cup year. Yeah, that's right. I was, In the first round. Yeah, I got first round, twenty fifth overall. 
That was which is a pretty huge deal. Yeah, it was. I was actually kind of a little bit like disappointed at the time. I was supposed to go higher, and there was like this big controversy at the draft. I don't know. I was just like, it was really weird. But anyways, it was it was what it was. And then they had like cameras like on it the whole time. It was really I felt awkward. So. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Kind of like people were like, why? I don't know. I was I was supposed to rank higher. Yeah. And it just was like falling, and then I don't know. It was really bizarre. So um, we got drafted, and then yep, went to Edmonton, and that was I was there for four years, I think, with the organization. And, so when uh, I talked to you, it was pretty pretty cool after getting drafted, and then you get the next year. I came out and had a really good year, and kind of felt like I progressed and was ready for the NHL. And so, in my mind. And and were you like when you look back, were you ready or was it um, was it a difference of opinion or was it what do you think it was? Skill, absolutely, like hockey wise, yes. I, I I would say I was definitely not like built like these guys in the NHL, but like it didn't matter. I was playing really good hockey at that point, and I would have grown into that kind of aspect. You know, I, I got away with the junior with the skill, and then that's what they were trying to implement. To was like they wanted me to look like the protege hockey guy, which is not really my genes. <laughs> I've been yeah, trying to get there yeah. for a year, and they have. I'll, I mean, I can yeah. eat peanuts and, you know, cashews and whatever and, and really diet, and I'll never have six six abs, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Ain't I've tried. I, I've, I've worked with that body. Yeah, you know, Yeah, you're a solid runner. I'm pushing, yeah, I push you the ride, run, when I run a grunt, though, I'm like a horse. Whip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So take us through some of the highs and lows. Like if, if you look, you've been, you've been, you were with Edmonton for a while. You were with a few different teams. Um, you played in Europe, like over this past while in a or these past few years for your career, what, what's been the biggest challenge? What's, what's been, you know, there's been some highs, there's been some lows, you get all kinds of experiences, but what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced throughout this time? Uh, definitely uncertainty would be a big nut, a uh, big word for what I've endured to the career. It was never settled after, honestly, ever since I left London, I was never got to settle. Like, never know where you're sitting in the, you know, what place you're sitting or where you're, you know, what your path is. That gets the worst. And then, you know. It's the n- not knowing if you have a contract oh, yeah. or not. And then living out of a suitcase, yeah, not yeah. knowing where you're going to live the next hotel. season. Yeah, living in a hotel for a while. That was brutal. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Just this uncertainty sucks, you know. That's what, that's what everybody strives for is uh, kind of a solid contract. You know, then you can, it's not that you sit back and don't care. It's like you get to relieve, like relieve, uh, relax and kind of just be your natural player. Yeah, you can person. do your do your thing. Yeah. You can be you instead of being the you that's worried about oh, yeah. having something, something there for you. So what was, tell us about one of your lowest points um, and how you overcame it. Like what was one of the darkest places for you? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, Springfield actually was that we were horrible. My second year there, we, I mean, we had, we had a horrible season. I just can't express that enough. We lost so much. It was, I hated losing, man. When I was in London, we lost <laughs> 10 games the first year, seven games, 11 games the first year, seven games total. That's including playoffs and Mem Cup the second year. And, I think 13 games the third year, and we lost in Springfield that year, like 50 something games. Oh, wow. It was miserable. It, it was so miserable, and it just it was never ending. And it was like no like tunnel to go up to play in the NHL. I was like stuck there, and I couldn't stand it. And it was like, it was really hard. Like, I honestly didn't. I, yeah, there's some dark times for sure. I was. And did you have, did you have somebody that you, 
talk to? Did you, what were your, I mean, and there's coping mechanisms. We know when it comes to professional sport, it's, you know, it's going to be alcohol. It's going to be drugs. It's going to be things like that. But what, what brought you out of the low or what, you know, if you can describe for people what that was like for you and what helped you, it, it'll make a difference for other people who are in that yeah, it's it's really it challenges your character, challenges everything. But I, the light at the end of the tunnel was getting picked up on waivers next year. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, it's like when you're in that place, is like, what, how do you be your best self? I hate losing. You want me to what, act yeah. happy when we're losing? Get the f out of here! Like, yeah, yeah, and everything's and that's, and that's... wrong. And you're trying to like fix it. You're trying to have conversations. The power plays at freaking three percent. When you're the one of the guys that's supposed to help it work and it's not working, like it's stressful. And then when you try to have a conversation, then when you go out of the ice and can't do it, it's like that's frustrating. It's like okay, we can't make passes, so we can't score. Like, what do you want? You know, what is anybody? Yeah. What are we, any of us going to do? This is not good. So, the harder you try, yeah, the worse it gets. We just kept losing, yeah. losing, losing, and bad too. Like six nothing, like ten one, like bad boss. Yeah. Not like who, who could you conf- couldn't finish? Like we wouldn't have a chance for the drop. Oh. Who who could you confide in or talk to about it honestly outside of the team? Because I, I know there's probably a couple of guys on the team that teams are, have that dynamic where, you know, there's there's groups within a team always. And, you know, some people seem to get others more than it's just like high school. There's cliques yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, for sure. did, did you have anyone away from hockey, though, that you could talk to where you? Are you close with your parents? Would you share that kind of stuff with them, or would you just give them the good news? Or yeah, no, who I'm could more, you talk to? I, that's not really a, a um, positive trait of mine. I'm pretty stubborn and like kind of like battles things out myself. So I would say because yeah, that's that's not the that, answer for sure. Yeah, that's that's my problem. I if I just bottle everything up yeah. and stuff it. So uh, you know, if I'm if it, an injury, you know, the therapist will know. But I just I'll be down. I'll be losing my mind they can't perform the way i want i'm gonna stuff it and i'm not gonna tell people about it i didn't have that ability to share what i was really feeling about things so that's why i was curious if you had an outlet for that while you were there in that tough time no no i honestly didn't yeah i did not so i was that was carrying the burden was kind of like that was that's what i mean it's dark times you don't know how to get out of it yeah that's hard and and that's the thing uh and that's the thing that that paul can probably really relate to too because and maybe it's a common trait when it comes to top performing athletes in that you hate losing. Like, I can't tell you how much Paul hated losing. Yeah. Like the, oh, yeah. the, de- the demeanor, the mood, the, the anger and, and just, you know, whether it's replaying what happened in your mind in that, you know, wanting things to have gone differently and just being so angry and dark about just the fact of the loss, let alone loss after loss after loss. And Paul would be one of those players that, you know, would take it upon himself to pull the team back to a win if they were down or, and if he couldn't, then he would blame himself and, and again, you know, shoulder it and not talk to other people. And, but ultimately it's, it's that kind of thing that then you flash, flash forward to life after sport and there's never been those either connections to be to know how or that skill to know how to talk to somebody when times are the worst or when times are the hardest or you know that kind of thing and and you almost learn this skill as an athlete to shoulder it just to take it and 
it's bad and it's horrible at the time, but whether it's an injury or losses or not knowing where you're going or, and you just take it and deal with it and it's not good. Nobody's happy. I would say on my honest opinion is like, I, you can't really, it's almost like you can't trust someone else on the team. You know what, Rob, you, <laughs> I'm sorry, you've that's just, a, that's no, you no, know, listen, you, you've just hit the nail on the head as to one of the reasons that I started this podcast, because what I discovered working with just so many different types of athletes, it didn't matter whether they were in figure skating or volleyball or hockey or rugby, especially when you're at the highest level, pro level or national level. You don't know if one of your teammates is going to say something to someone else and then upper management gets a sniff that you're not happy or you, you're competing against a teammate for a position or, you know, there's so many or they won't even say something to a national team sports psychologist because they might be afraid that that goes further to the coaches and then the coaches think that the player can't perform. And, and that's why I would find in this unique role as a strength coach that I would hear these things from these athletes and understand that, you know, they're alone. Like they feel really alone. They feel like they don't have support and, and it's not coming from teammates and it's rarely coming from staff support of the team or individual sports too. And then, then who do you talk to? Because a lot of the people that aren't in sport, whether, even if they're your friends or family, don't fully understand what it's like. And so like that, what you just hit the nail on the head and in some aspects of why, why we wanted to do this. I I think it's, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's really, it's amazing. You know, it's just, and it's not about, I don't know. It should be just about if you're good, you're good. I mean, it's, yeah. Take the politics, take the politics out. I don't need, if you told me something, I don't need, if I needed to use that information to climb over you, then I I don't know. I wouldn't plan. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying, that's, that's my opinion. And that's that's the, how I feel about or I, I don't need that's I mean, if you come to me and tell me something, that means you need a friend, not a, a like a guy thinking, oh, perfect. I got some, I got some juice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. What yeah. are you doing? And like, that's a person and that's I don't want in my you. organization. If I, if I was, yeah, I, I, that's me personally. That's, yeah, I don't I know, know how you that, with that. But that's you. That's perfect because you wear your heart on your sleeve and that's going to be a better recipe for a happier human being than the political crap that goes on behind the scenes in sport where it's, you know, it can be really ruthless and it's, it's not a nice place for a lot of people. So, and there's, you know, and people don't see that. Fans don't necessarily see that. And, um, but, but it's, one of the most beautiful things about sport is the kind of passion for the game that you have and, and displayed throughout your career. So, you know, that's the, that's where flow happens. That's where the, the, you really connect with people that are watching you. Like there's probably so many people, this is what happened to Paul. There's probably so many people that watched you play and you may have never met them, but your play and them watching you affected their life. Maybe they, started playing rec league when they never played hockey before or they they followed you throughout your career because you inspired them so much or and these are people you probably never met and you don't even realize how much of an impact and how much joy you brought their life and those are some of the coolest things about sport yeah that is really neat i i had a good connection with a girl in uh, austria 
this year. She she just wrote me a note and said she actually just started playing hockey. So it's funny you mentioned that. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's, yeah. That's neat. so right on. She sent me a birthday present with these. Yeah, it was cool. But every game I'd give her a high five or a hug. And that kind of stuff, man, a lot. So that was pretty cool. She was a cool kid and now she's playing hockey. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, throughout your career, uh, what was, what would you say, you know, if Springfield was the biggest challenge, you, you know, you're further on in your career, you're close to retirement here. What are your greatest fears at this point in your career? Um, I don't, to be honest with you guys, I'm not really, having a family would be maybe income, finance, like, like figuring out what to do, but um, I've already kind of nailed that down. So that fear is gone for me. And now it's more, um, I don't have any really. I just kind of, it was fun. Good ride. <laughs> Time to go off in the sunset. So you're retiring now? Yeah. So I'll be starting working down in Naples and, uh, I'm working with a company also called Beta and, um, endocannabinoid nutrition. So I've been working with them yeah. and that, that kind of alternative, um, kind of re, not, what would I kind of like? Uh, it's an emerging space really. Yeah. So it's been good. And I really believe in the stuff though. I jumped on board with them and I'm trying to help, you know, maybe push that message and use it. Cause I, I've been using the product and I, it really was beneficial. So yeah. Any you know. of the, any of the cannabinoids right now are amazing for all kinds of things, anti-inflammatory for reducing pain, for clarity and, and not even getting into the, you know, the THC or anything no. like that, yeah. but just the, the cannabinoid properties and how they help people are pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it's definitely with them. That's the stigma a little bit. Is that you hear CBD oils and it's kind of THC. Not, there's not THC. No. That's yeah. I didn't use the THC stuff, so it was um, unique to see the benefit. And I had, you know, I had some issues with anxiety a little bit and having a hard time sleep. And then I started falling asleep and then started feeling better in the morning. So it's really beneficial. And I had a really hard yeah. time, man. It wasn't like a, oh, I get a little bit anxious sometimes. Like I had some really bad anxiety attack. And it like, it freaked me out. So almost like a panic oh, where your yeah. heart like, and you can't breathe. Yeah. Like really bad. Like <clears throat> I had no idea what was going on. Then I got kind of, I figured out what was going on, you know, diagnosed with that. So the CBD stuff and really helped. What else? Um, what do you, what do you think it was stemming from the panic attacks? Do you know? I have no idea. Like literally had no idea. Yeah. Came out and, of nowhere. And the, I, scared. I thought I was like, literally thought I was like having a stroke. <laughs> Yeah, so I couldn't and, describe uh, this like panic. It was not, and I had no idea why. I wasn't nervous. Nothing. The tightness in the chest and the oh not breathing ten and hours, all of that. Yeah. Ten hours straight home from uh, Germany. I thought I like kept thinking I was gonna like black out. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It was scary. And, yeah, and, I got home and I was like, oh my, what the hell was that? My wife. That was, she had no idea. I kept going to the bathroom every five minutes because I thought I was gonna faint. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And straight. and the it was long ride. Like, and it'd be different if you weren't on an airplane, you know, well, you can go. Yeah. And, and also I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is nuts. Never had it in my life. And boom. So then, you know, then that's about like kind of dealing with that. And what, Do you think that that was transitional related? Like somewhere in the back of your mind, not knowing what the rest of your future was going to look like? Not really. You know, I never, never thought about it. Just playing hockey and keep going. Just Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Never had any like anxious. I don't. I kind of live day by day. I'm not like a big, you know, way ahead. Stress yourself. So I just go. Whatever happens today, get a good day. Okay, we'll go tomorrow. Oh, what are we doing? I can tell you what I'm doing um, on Sunday. 
so now you're settling in you're settling in uh naples and you're working with veda and uh you have a brand new well not brand new but seven month old baby and yes. you're settled with marta yep so that sounds like it sounds like you're settling into a really new amazing um position and identity and it it sounds exciting yeah i'm ex i'm extremely excited about it i told you it was, it was a long time like a lot of stress in hockey <laughs> it's a long road like a lot of grind and like it like i said it started early so it was i don't know i didn't enjoy it all the time so are you gonna for me i still love hockey though i go like i went and skated at the hockey summit here they had a pro camp down here and worked out with the guys i really enjoyed it that's i don't know yeah, that's enough. Last year was kind of, <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was just going to ask is what, are you going to, you know, keep your toe on the rink a little bit? Are you going to, like, is there some way you're going to stay involved in some form or another? I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I'm going to mind um, helping, you know, whatever I can, but I, I don't, I don't think I want to uh, jump right into having a position there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just get, and, I don't know why circle back. Need a little break now, anyway. I could use a break. I, I really could. I'm not going to go through that. Now. I tried to climb the ladder as a player. I, I don't know about doing coach. <laughs> yeah. No. No. That, that makes sense. No, I would like to just have a stable time and enjoy my life a little bit. And uh, if there's something about you that most people don't know, what would that be that you want to share? Like it could be something unique. It could be quirky. <laughs> like just something that people don't, don't generally know that um about you is there anything like that not really pretty wide open as you know i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah. for people who don't know you like we do what's, know, what's something that they wouldn't hard. expect yeah, to hear open. i really just kind of like you, you change diapers every day yeah i change diapers i i kind of try to watch the poop one but <laughs> <laughs> it's like no i can smell that i, I don't can. think so well, I can let everyone know that you have good taste in music because I remember you coming into the gym in the spring season just finished up and you were starting to train with Kari again and you put on a song for us. Yeah. And you're like, this is going to be the song of the summer. There's blurred lines. So. <laughs> and it totally was. Prediction That's true. Awesome. Yeah. And, you nailed and it. Yeah. It was the white man dance song that like, yeah. <laughs> everybody can put a move to. That's right. Absolutely. Gives us guys um, a chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what's a really small action or thing that you do that has, has had a really big impact for you, for your, it could be for your sport, your life, your relationships, but one little thing that you do that really pays big dividends for you. Um, I'm, I don't know. I treat people, I treat people good. I think, you know, away from anywhere, really. I just kind of open, listen to people, make friendships. I don't know. I've always treated people well, the fans, especially I've always been good to them. I always felt it was such an honor to play in front of people. You know what I mean? It's like ever since I was 12 playing in front of 10,000 people, that was like, it just was such a cool feeling and, and appreciate it's it. It's a gift. It's a gift yeah. to play in front of those people. And I always give people, you know, gave pucks to kids and warm ups and stuff like that. I really, I genuinely wanted to do it. I didn't care if anybody saw me. I didn't care. I loved watching the kids go nuts. And I remember being a kid in Syracuse and if I caught a puck, it was like the coolest thing in the world. So, um, I don't know. I guess just kind of translated with me. And I always used, I mean, I don't do it anymore. I don't get that much fan mail, but I used to write back letters when I signed my card. You know, um, that kind of stuff was, that's awesome. And that speaks to who you are and you're just, you're such a fun and good guy to be around. So that's, that's huge. Hey, I, I, want to I want to extend that question uh, before you ask the next one though, Kari. Uh, Rob, so uh, 
a tip specifically then for all the young hockey players listening, because you have legendary hands. So what is a tip that you would give uh, to develop that skill? Something that you probably were doing on those 10 hours a day on the rink. Is there something, a drill that you think stands above others in terms of a hand eye or just getting the great hands in the feel that you had? Um, I, I just ha- always had, like I st- always had the stick in my hand. If it wasn't a hockey stick, it was a cross stick. If it wasn't a cross stick, I'd have a baseball bat. So it was always hand eye, hand eye, hand eye. And then the lacrosse stick really taught me how to use my hands because to be able to cradle and have silk, like good hands in lacrosse, that translates exactly to hockey. Your hands mm-hmm. are loose and you're, you're snapping wrists to like make passes and you're snapping your wrists to score goals. So that lacrosse was huge. I mean, you don't have to play on a team. You can just play wall ball and you see your hands start to get good. Your hand eye gets good. You get really confident with snapping the ball and hitting like a target exactly. That's no different when you pass a puck. You snap your wrist and you pass your target. And that's, I mean, it's the same concept as lacrosse. So lacrosse was big for me. And uh, one of the things you're pointing to, though, too, is that it's the, and I'm thinking of for Paul as well, is those extra hours that were spent just passing against a wall over and over. Paul did that with volleyball. Yeah. You know, you did that with a lacrosse. You've done that with tennis balls. You know, like you, it's those extra hours of doing that. And I know a lot of young athletes that I see right now, they love to play the game. They kind of resent practice, but then they absolutely are not doing the little extra things, the, the extra touches, the extra drills on their own that would really make a massive difference for their skill and their sport. And those are the things that for guys like you both, you did that stuff over and over and over. And it's part of what, you know, made that skill so much more refined than it would have been had you just had a bunch of practices alone. That's true. uh, You got to be a gym rat. You got to get totally, you got to, you got to love it and love it all the time. That's the thing. I think if you don't have passion for it, then I mean, don't be mad when you're not good at it. Bingo. Yeah. I don't, I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I don't know if you're not, if that's the thing you don't, that's when, that's when it comes back to like when I said you being a team guy. Like if you don't have the ability, you don't need the things to be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like politics, or you know, I don't know. Like that's how I feel. Like if you're not putting in the time, don't be jealous because I am. You know? Yeah. You want me to tell you? No, that's that's very true. Uh, we're gonna fire off a few quick little questions for you. Um, stuff like, did you have a favorite movie? Um, growing up, Good Will Hunting. Uh, well. Uh, Young Blood was me and my brother used to watch Young Blood. Young Blood. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> was that with uh, what's his face? Uh, Rob, um, Rob Lowe. Lowe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God! It's the first time I saw uh, a woman breast. And that was like, <laughs> yeah, and from magical, there, magical you you scene. always had a distraction from hockey, right? From that moment on. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Oh, the pretty girls come to junior high. <laughs> those are called puck bunnies no don't call them. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> okay and uh what about a favorite book uh favorite book don't say 50 shades of gray oh, which you gave to kari <laughs> as a gift yeah, i want everyone to know hey you're welcome for her birthday you gave her 50 shades of gray <laughs> so you can't say that that was for you uh, buddy <laughs> How how did Love I you, know man. that was gonna come up? How did I know? Oh, that was that's great. Come up? <laughs> hey. No, really, favorite book. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, The Hobbit. Oh, sweet! I read that years ago, and then just kept going. But nothing, none of the other books were as good as The Hobbit. I wasn't much. Uh, that was my one that I liked. 
Uh, what about favorite workouts or least favorite workouts? I hated your hill runs the worst. <laughs> like that was the death of me every time. It never got easier. And you're like, oh, it's going to get easier. It never got easier. <laughs> it, yeah, it, never, it never gets easier because she adds more reps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Kari, oh yeah, God. it is not. We're, you got it backwards here. You, and then Paul's got the longest legs in the world. There's no chance <laughs> of like, catching this human being. Then there's, remember, it was Brandy Johnson and uh, Billy Bram. And these girls yeah, were yeah. like unbelievable runners. Me and Bolin were, it was embarrassing. Brandy used to <laughs> lap us. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rebecca. Johnny. Sorry. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed that one up. But, um, no, no, but I was, was timing just, you guys. Your times were getting better, right? Yeah, true. But it never got easier. But then you had the you, you had the that, legs like, and even lungs. Even you throwing that little carrot at the end, like, oh, your time's better. It didn't make it. Easier. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but your legs and lungs were good on the ice, so that's all that matters. That's true. It did translate. You know, I did feel good on the ice. Absolutely, at my training camp, yeah. I felt awesome. How about favorite workouts, like that you might be doing now or whenever? Um, yeah, the workouts that are kind of they've really been they've really changed a lot. I feel like since when I started to now, it's more so, so much more explosive and like low reps and explosive explosive um i i kind of like that it's the workouts mm -hmm. i was doing with this guy sean sullivan down here were good uh really felt good camps doing those and then and then i did the hockey summit this summer and they had a lot of the similar stuff similar concepts so it's the transition is happening you see a lot more explosive guys i mean the, the speed is unbelievable now guys are so yeah it's a different game it is so there's no holding i mean there's nobody holding up so it's just guys that are flying 100 miles an hour yeah yeah and uh what about a favorite hobby? Is there something else that you like to do that, that's just different from everything that's involved in hockey? No, not really. I'm really generic question. A really original answer with golf. <laughs> I play golf. I just love golf. That's honestly. what every hockey player answers, I, right? I'm with it and I play it anytime. I, I, I have the same passion for golf. I didn't, haven't given as much time as I did hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you'd be... I got a daughter now, so that's a big breaker on that one. Oh yeah, huge, huge uh, hobby and distraction with a little one—that's for sure. Yeah, I'd much rather though. That's a lot more joy. Birdies, are, any... birdies are still fun though. It's close second. Birdies or eagles are really close. <laughs> that joy, baby. Um, and you got a dog too, no? Yep, Bailey, good chocolate lab. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, sweet. she's amazing. So we got a cool little family, and we really enjoy it. So. And uh, and Marta's done a. She she likes the transition and in, into Florida. Yep. She um she loves it down here. So it's be it's beautiful. We live like a resort living place. So we got like a movie theater, a couple of restaurants, and a big community pool. I don't know. We we really enjoy it down here. It's a lot different than Latvia, where she's from. She spent the summer there, this summer. So she got to go back, and it's totally different, you know. But is she she's not is she originally from Latvia? Yes. Yeah. I met her when I so that's there. I picked that's up. where Paul's um Paul's biological family's from. Oh, cool. And then my family, yeah, my family's in, you never know. Um, family, bud. I got, yeah. yeah. And I got family in Naples, so we'll come down and come down and see you. Yeah, you love it, Dan. It's awesome. So come see us. That'd be great. So yeah, she, my. She, I told her, whenever people ask me, she's from Latvia. I told people that I picked up a souvenir when I played for Riga. <laughs> it's a pretty good one, though. She's a great souvenir. Yeah, brought, brought her everywhere you went from there on in. Yep, she stuck out with me. Crazy girl. And. Any uh, any last tips you might give for uh, young hockey players that are up and comers who are really passionate and going for it? What what are any 
extra tips you might give? I just enjoy it and have fun with it. That's always, that's so original as well, but I mean, really enjoy it. And if, like you said, if you have passion for it, you're going to drive yourself to be better. So, I mean, the, the end result is what it is. You get to, if you follow that passion, you get to the point where you're either good enough or you're not. It's okay. There's still other things, yeah. you know, it's not the end of the world. So um, just go with it as long as you love it. Follow the passion makes you better. If you don't have passion, then you're going to be lazy. You're not going to practice. You're not going to get to the highest levels. Um, that's fantastic. I love it. Uh, are you're on Instagram, yep. you're on Twitter. Oh, if yeah. anyone wants to reach you. Yep. Absolutely. I always answer back. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be it for today. Is there anything else you want to add in? Nope. I'm all set. I appreciate the call and, uh, it was great catching up with you guys again. We, uh, awesome. thank you, Rob. It's been fantastic. We can't say enough about what an amazing person you are and, you know, it's just been so, it's been an honor to know you and, you know, the talent you have as an athlete is one thing, but who you are as a human being is something that's completely standalone different that, that we're so lucky to be a part of and knowing you. So thank, thank you. you so I much for that. coming on thank and, you. uh, and, uh, yeah, say hi to Marta and Stella and have a great, uh, great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection. 